HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. And we are back with Heritage Radio Network's coverage of Slow Food Nations here in beautiful Denver. And we are ending a really fabulous day of interviews. We've got two more coming up for you. And I'm Hannah Fordham. And uh, we are super excited to sit down and talk with guest uh, Chris Starkus, who is a Denver-based chef. Um, but first, I want to thank our sponsors, Hearst Ranch, as you just heard from Julia Child Foundation and Julie Schaefer for making this coverage possible. Um, so Chris Starkus heads um, Urban Farmer, which is uh, part of the Sage Restaurant Group's Modern Farm to Table. It's a Modern Farm to Table Steakhouse, and it's just around the corner here in Denver. Yep. Um, and the menu focuses on in-house whole animal butchering and sustainable practices. Um, they have rooftop beef window-grown microgreens, and uh, lots of delicious food. Um, so I'm excited to talk to Chris. Thanks for sitting down with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes. So we were just talking off-air about <laughs> your work farming. So yes. obviously you have a really beautiful restaurant here in Denver, but it's outside of the city you have a little family farm, but you also have uh, some things that you grow on-site at the restaurant, correct? Correct. Um, so tell me about that. So Lost Creek Micro Farm is the quarter acre micro farm that my wife and I own. It's literally next to the house. And we kind of started it as a garden that blew up and we started to get, we wanted to do more and more and grow more. And then we had a little market stand on Thursdays and kind of teach our kids entrepreneurship that we're calling kind of like the new lemonade stand, if you will, kind of teach it. them that, uh, you know, engagement of the community as well and kind of selling food to, to everyone around us as well. So how, um, what tools are you using to successfully grow greens um, here in the city? Uh, are you doing, or do you have little plant boxes? So in the city here, we just have the plant boxes on the patio, uh -huh. and that's mostly our edible flowers. So we have mm -hmm. uh, nasturtiums, bachelor buttons, uh, uh, calendula, things like that on the patio. Uh, we had a pretty bad hailstorm this year, so it was, a, oh, it, no. was, it was better last year than it was this year. But um, we do have the rooftop hives as well uh, up on the rooftop there. So I have three up there that are doing really well. They're in their second year this year, um, and we're using that honey in the, in the restaurant for cocktails and all sorts of other projects that we're doing. So it's, it's a fun project to have here at Urban. Excellent. Um, and this is my first time in Denver, and, you know, we've been having an amazing time. But I'm, I'm curious if you can kind of tell me your take on the food scene here in Denver and kind of how you would uh, describe that food culture to listeners who might not be familiar. Sure. 
Well, I mean, I've been here uh, about a year now, and honestly, it was it was an awesome, engaging community to come into. I, I didn't know anybody when I came out here, and there were so many local chefs that had been here for years that had engaged me and said, "Hey, let's let's." Let's collaborate. You know, if you need anything, please let me know in, in all sincerity. So I think that coming together. And, of course, there's so many, as we, were, as we were going around and visiting farms and purveyors and suggestions from other chefs, I said, hey, these people are doing great things. Um, I, I guess I would say collaborative is one of the best things about it. Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a very nice place. And, and I think Slow Foods really sums it all up. Everybody that's been here that I've seen um, that we've been working together has, has just been collaborative and, and really positive and supportive of each other. And, of course, our local purveyors that are doing great things. I'm, I'm one of the first people that supports local, but also know that local's not always better in certain mm-hmm. terms. But we have so many great uh, farmers and ranchers out here doing awesome things that everyone in the chef community is definitely embracing. That's fantastic. And that's been a conversation that we've um, come back to a couple of times is sort of the local movement obviously is important and it's essential to, um, you know, revitalizing local economies, to knowing where your food comes from. But you just mentioned also sometimes, you know, there are other options. So I'm curious, like, what your thoughts are, because obviously you are a local grower and you buy from local growers. but. Where is that gray area where sometimes you... Um, Let me see. I'm going to try to think about that for a little bit. I would say, you know, especially when it comes to... um let me see here off the top of my head. I'm like, I know we just <laughs> spoke with uh, Mitchell <laughs> yeah. Davis and he went off. It was a really interesting um, uh, conversation because he was talking about how, you know, because nationalism and exclusionism in our country <laughs> is growing that yeah. like, is local food going to make that stronger? You know, the yeah. local food movement. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious as like a chef, like what your thoughts are. Well, I mean, as far as, I mean, everything that we've had here locally, we, we've been, everyone's been able to keep up with the, the food scene here. And that's, that's normally great. where it falls short is if there's not enough. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I'm thinking as I'm sitting here, I'm like, we have plenty of ranchers. We have plenty of, <laughs> you know, cattle and, 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 and a lot of people doing, you know, just different things. And I think that when you're talking about growing, yes, I'm growing an arable land right now, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of vertical growing out here uh, that's going on as well. And so that when you're talking about the, the complement of food and tech, it's really happening here in Denver in that respect. And I think that you know, because arable land is the number one place that everyone thinks of when you think of that idyllic countryside farm. Um, but I think Denver's taking it to another level uh, of, of growing inside, you know. And yes, there's hemp and marijuana, of course, there's those things here too. But I think there's a lot of people doing vegetables that way as well. That's great. Um, and so tell me, uh, you wear many hats. You are a farmer. You're a chef. Yeah. Uh, and you also have are becoming, or are, are, are you already officially a beekeeper? I or a, you, I'm you've gotten a, your certification? I'm officially a beekeeper. I've been beekeeping for about five years. Uh, I'm in their master beekeeping program, and that's, that's right. a three-part series uh, starting out as an apprentice, which I actually graduated from that program at OSU in Portland, Oregon. I was there. Uh, now that I've come to Denver, um, the Colorado Beekeeping Association here has picked up the master beekeeping uh, program, and so I'm going to be in the journeyman level here uh, through the summer and winter and then going into uh, the master beekeeping. Generally, you get about up to two years to finish those certifications, which is community involvement. There's research projects. And then, of course, uh, I'm going to be teaching at the CSU Extension out at the fairgrounds in Lakewood. Um, they just have uh, four hives out there that we just moved out there. Um, and then we're going to be teaching from there. So that's, that's part of the program is learning more, but also mentoring new beekeepers and uh, bringing community understanding about bees uh, to the community there as well. That's really cool. I'm curious if, like, learning a new skill like beekeeping has 
informed the way that you approached your kitchen? I feel like it's such a specific like, technical skill and you're dealing with things that might sting you. Um, <laughs> so I'm curious if that's changed your worldview. Well, all. I mean, I think my understanding and the usage of knowing, uh, like using products of the whole hive is what I say, but as far yeah. as the main thing is definitely seasonal cooking. Mm. You, you know, I miss them when they are, you know, when they are, they don't hibernate. They're basically clustering in the hive. So I miss them when during that winter time and I'm very excited about the springtime. So it kind of really works seasonally with seasonal cooking and you really pay attention to those kind of hard stops of the season. You know when fall is coming, you have to make sure they're winterized. You know when winter's coming, you want to make sure they're nice and sealed up and they're warm and they're not, you know, in a, in a heavy snowfall and things like that. And then of course out of spring, I'm excited and one of the first people to start looking at the, the opening in the hive and see if they're starting to fly out and then what, what are they starting to pollinate. I can, I can sit and watch them for hours and that respect so definitely keeps you in tune with the seasons for sure that's fantastic um and i want to go back a bit uh because it is a, a point of interest for us as a network kind of you mentioned that intersection between food and tech yeah so i'm curious denver obviously is a, a up-and-coming very strong technically focused city yep. um but also has a strong food culture so you mentioned some vertical farming but i'm curious other ways that i don't know if you use it in your own um, rooftop gardens but other ways that tech has kind of accelerated the or enhanced the food system here um i would say off the top of my head um you know i guess the main one is the vertical growing that yeah. i know of i think other than that you know we're, we're starting to find that there's um you know some of the ovens and the smokers that we have and things like that are, are coming more commonplace in the kitchen and and I, I always joke i feel a little old school at the time when i'm teaching new people because these new ovens think about um you know how, how to preheat an oven before you put about you know <laughs> you know, 50 chicken breasts in there and things like that. So it's a different style of cooking that I think is making the overall product much better. Mm. Um, but it's specific here to Denver. I don't know if I know one beyond the, the vertical, yeah. Yeah. Um, and what has been your your favorite part of Slow Food this weekend so far or something you're looking forward to? Have you had any good bites or had any really exciting conversations? Um, I, you know, I have, we're going to be at the buzz about biodiversity tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that one. I'm actually going to be working the activation space and bringing a um, observation hive so you can see the hive in process. The bees are going to be in there so you can see a frame for all those that are coming. Oh, cool. Yeah, it'll be, it's really an, an engaging experience. I enjoy sharing it with others. Um, last night we did the Colorado Fair, which is really something close to my heart. We par- partnered with a uh, local rancher uh, and so did other, other uh, chefs as well to create a dish. And, uh, you know, we wound up partnering with one of our uh, Buckner family farm. We got their pigs in. Um, Use some of the flowers from the uh, Lost Creek Micro Farm, and you know, basically made a, a pork slider with a, what I call was Colorado green chili or Colorado uh, coleslaw, which had green chili, hemp seed, hemp oil, uh, and lime juice in that dressing to kind of put it all together. Really, that sounds so delicious. <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, we are running out of time, sure. but we are planning on going to Urban Farmer tomorrow for breakfast because yes, we will please. need our strength for a full day of interviews. Awesome. So we're looking forward to that. Thank you so much, Chris Sarkis, for sitting down with me today um, and I want to thank our sponsors Hearst Ranch the Julia Child Foundation and Julie Schaefer for making this coverage possible and we will be back momentarily with our last interview of the day awesome. thanks Chris thank you yeah Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network the Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich sustainable native grasslands of California's central coast for over 150 years Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. 
In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com.